Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, Pat McAfee joins us to talk about not only his experience at TakeOver 30, but what his future looks like in the world of professional wrestling. Plus, payback ends in one of the best ways that a WWE pay-per-view has ended in recent memory. All that and more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. you damn right here he is. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Happy Monday. What a way to start the week. What a way to end the weekend last night, huh? Doesn't it make you feel good? First of all, I want to pay-per-view ends at 9.30 East Coast time. That will never not make me feel good. I feel great when that happens. But I feel even better when it ends in a way that just puts me in a good mood. I've said this many times. That's how I know that I'm obsessed with wrestling. That's why you know, look, it's tough when you're an adult and you're married and you have to go to your person, I love you, but you're not my first love. You can't go back and become my first love. It can never happen, you know? And that's a conversation I had to have with my wife. Look, I love you to have and to hold in sickness and in health. But my first love is professional wrestling. And that's, you know, I fell in love when I was a young, when I was a very young man. She was like, that's cool. That's all right with me. Sometimes it's okay. I was like, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Other times it's not okay, she said. And I said, we don't talk about those times. We only talk about the good times. But the way we know that we're obsessed is the way we react, the way I react. I've told you before, man, I go to bed in a bad mood when wrestling is bad. Specifically when wrestling doesn't have to be bad. When something happens and I'm like, oh, this could be cool. And it's just not cool. And that happens a lot. I go to bed in a bad mood. It puts me, it makes me a worse person. But when something happens on wrestling that's good, oh, I'm the best Sam Roberts that I can possibly be. And today I come to you, post payback, the best Sam Roberts that I could possibly, possibly be. In the very beginning, I suppose, of 2015. I can't believe we've been doing this podcast for like five years. I think it was 2015 though. It's like episode 14 of what was then Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, now not Sam Wrestling. Roman Reigns was on the show. It was a phone interview that I did with him, brief 15 minutes. Uh, And it was taped right before his Royal Rumble win in Philly. And he came across... Like a real dude, but not like a good guy wrestler. Uh, It was the, it made news. It was the first 
Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, not Sam Wrestling Podcast, that did over 100,000 downloads. It was a big deal at the time. And I'll never forget Reddit, Squared Circle on Reddit, having the conversation. I mean, do you think? We all know Sam Roberts is bought and paid for. Little did they know, episode 14, I wasn't even close to bought and paid for yet. I wouldn't be bought and paid for for another couple of years. But even back then, that's why I don't get offended now when people think that I'm bought and paid for because I, they thought I was bought and paid for even before I was. Now at least I actually am. But they said, uh, is Roman Reigns going on Sam Roberts' wrestling podcast just to turn heel? Is this, is this the start of a heel turn? Because he said something like, you know, cheer me or boo me. You're still buying me a house or something like that. You know, I don't know. It was a long time ago. I remember leaving the interview going like, oh, it was cool to see him be a real dude. It was cool to see him be honest. And other people were like, he's not a good guy. And I was like, whoa, whoa. But that was the time. Five years ago or so was the time when everybody was already rallied up against Roman Reigns. Everybody could, everybody could smell it. They said, this is the guy that WWE is trying to shove down our throat. This is the guy that WWE wants us to buy into. Well, guess what? I ain't buying. And he goes to Philly and he wins the Royal Rumble in Philly. And he gets booed out of the building. I remember. I remember that show. Because I sat there and all of us in the audience knew. I was there. All of us in the audience knew that Roman Reigns was going to get booed. We knew he was going to win. And we knew it was going to rain down a chorus of boos on him. And it did. That's exactly what happened. And Roman sat there. I don't think enjoying the chorus of boos. The Bronx cheers that were headed his way. And The Rock raised Roman Reigns' arm in the air with the most confused look I'd ever seen on The Rock's face. It was like, for the first time since Survivor Series 96, The Rock was not in control of the audience. The Rock did not have the audience in the palm of his hand. The audience was reacting to The Rock in the opposite fashion that The Rock wanted the audience to react to him with, and he couldn't understand what had happened. But what had happened was he had stood next to Roman Reigns in 2015. That was the problem. And people said, well, that's just Philly. Philly just does that. They boo the heroes. But what they didn't take into account was that while that may be true about Philadelphia, when you broadcast an event on, on television and pay-per-view and the whole world sees it, the whole world is not sitting there thinking this is Philadelphia. The whole world is watching Roman Reigns get booed by an arena full of people. And the whole world takes the cue and they go, that's what we're doing now. Okay, I kind of already felt that way, but good to know. And they start booing him. And for years now, there have been moments where you thought maybe there'll be a heel turn or maybe there'll just be some kind of attitude adjustment in Roman Reigns. Because I think for the most part, I mean, some people just didn't like the guy. A lot of people, though, I think, because most, he was cheered. He was the most popular member of the Shield at one point. And, and people forgot that. But I remember there was, there was one night when Roman came in years ago and took out Triple H and took out everybody and was just a badass, just ruining everybody, the people were like, oh, hell, yeah. And they started cheering for this guy again, going, yes, this is the Roman I've been looking for. And then, you know, he goes back to suffering succotash, Roman, the next week, and you're like, oh, my God, what is happening? And that's kind of the road that he's been on. Uh, I think when Roman uh, went away, after his cancer diagnosis, the diagnosis of the cancer had returned, 
Um, I think when he put down the Universal Championship, uh, we realized how much he meant to us as a performer. And that while we did boo him, he still was the biggest star on the roster for a reason. And I think people were genuinely happy to have him back. Um, and I think throughout the time that he was back, people were genuinely glad that he was back, but still not sold on the character. And he still didn't have that cool factor about him. It was something that kids liked. It was something that wrestling fans kind of respected more. But you could kind of tell that right before WrestleMania, as we got closer and closer, it was like, especially after the Goldberg thing and Goldberg beating The Fiend, first you were like, oh, man, I don't want Roman Reigns to beat The Fiend. The Fiend is awesome. And then when you was like, wait, are you telling me that you're having Goldberg beat our guy just so we could have a Roman Reigns-Goldberg match? You knew going in to WrestleMania this year that that was going to be the match that got booed out of the building. What happened was nobody was there to boo the match, and Roman Reigns wasn't there either. Right before WrestleMania, Roman Reigns takes a powder. He says, uh, I don't know if you guys heard, there's a pandemic. I'm going home. Nobody knows for sure what it was. He said he had his reasons. Uh, I believe his wife had a, a, a newborn or twins, maybe. Of course, you know, he has a history of illness. He's got a compromised immune system. And there's many, many other personal reasons that could have kept him at home. And it just was what it was. Um, and the WWE uh, disavowed any knowledge that Roman Reigns ever existed on the planet. He popped up on the R-Truth game show once, which was uh, odd. But other than that, no mention of Roman Reigns' name was ever uttered on WWE TV. That's why it was a, sh a shock that Roman Reigns came back at SummerSlam a week ago today. And when Roman Reigns came back at SummerSlam a week ago today, he went in and he laid out both The Fiend and Braun Strowman. And going into The Fiend-Braun Strowman match, there was this thing where you felt like the Fiend was kind of turning babyface, and you felt like Braun Strowman was kind of turning heel, but those roles were never clearly defined going into this match. And so it felt a little wonky. But I believe the reason that those roles were never clearly defined going into this match is so you almost felt like it was just two monsters fighting. That way, when Roman Reigns came in and laid them both out, you couldn't quintessentially say, what Roman Reigns was doing there, why Roman Reigns was there, what his motivation was. Although I will say when I looked at it, the look on his face was that he was not happy to be back in front of fans, and he was back in front of fans in the Thunderdome. And the look on his face was he was not discerning about who he laid out. And a good guy would be discerning about who he laid out. A good guy would only want to lay out bad guys. A good guy would understand that uh, if he was going to come back, he had to work his way up the ranks to earn a shot at the Universal Championship. It would be a bad guy that would come in, lay out everybody, say things like, you're nobody unless I'm here. I made you. Take credit for everything. And then hold the title up as if he had never lost it to begin with. That's a bad guy move. So that's why, and I think I implied it last week on the podcast. I know I talked about it on Thursday before SmackDown. But that's why, to me, I was like, guys, I didn't want to get excited. I just wanted to make a big deal out of it. But I said, this is a Roman Reigns heel turn. We're seeing a Roman Reigns heel turn right now. 
I didn't want to get too excited about it because I've been tricked before. I've been, come on, Sam, come here, come with us. We're going to give Roman a heel turn. I'm like, oh, I'll go see that. I'll go see that. I'll go see that. Only to see Roman Reigns hug some uh, uh, babies at the end of the show and go like, no, we're not really going to turn him heel. And I'm like, come on. And they're like, here's the deal. In WWE, here's the rule. We don't turn our top baby faces heel. Ever. Ask John Cena. It never happens. Ask Hulk Hogan. He never. Not only did he never turn heel in WWE, but when he was brought back as a heel, we turned him back to being a babyface. It's not going to happen. Not in WWE. No way. We tried it once with Stone Cold, and it blew up in our face. This is dumb. It ruined WrestleMania 17. So we won't be doing that again. Plus, we need to put Roman Reigns on lunchboxes. And you're like, all right, I heard you. I think creatively it would make for a much better show but okay all right you want to sell lunchboxes fine whatever still i said this this is a heel turn but i can't get my hopes up we can't sit there because he's gonna come out on on smackdown and say something like this is my yard and you know i respect braun Strowman and the fiend but I'm here to claim what's mine. And you're like, oh my God, the fact that you had to add that you respect, that's why we don't like this. We don't want you to respect the Fiend and Braun Strowman. We want you to not respect them at all. So the moment when you, when we end SmackDown, and already, like, there's already hints of this, right? Roman coming back and acting like the title is his and that Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt ain't crap without Roman Reigns. And then you see on SmackDown and Postman Pierce, the biggest star in WWE as far as I'm concerned right now, is following around Roman, trying to get him to sign the contract. First clue I have is big double doors, Roman Reigns' name on him, his own giant locker room. I say this is guy's getting the Michael Jordan treatment. This guy is getting the Goldberg treatment. Hindsight being 2020, this guy is getting the Brock Lesnar treatment. I said the fact that he's even in that room is a heel thing. And he doesn't answer the door right away and he finally comes to the door. He says he's not signing the contract. I go, he's acting like the most valuable player on the team that knows the team needs him more than he needs the team. And that's a heel. I said, cool, he's a bad guy. What I didn't see coming at all was him saying, that's not a promise. Or that's not a prediction. That's a spoiler. And I go, are they hinting that he's aligned with Paul Heyman? Only for that pan out to come and you just see that creepy, conniving, rat-like smile of Paul Heyman looking back at Postman Pierce. And I go, oh my God, it's happening. Roman Reigns has gone full heel, aligned himself with Paul Heyman. He has signed a Deal with the devil, and I am here for it. We get to payback. Braun Strowman and The Fiend just tear each other up. And, you know, Roman didn't get introduced. So why was he hanging in the back for? I don't know. Braun Strowman interrupted the, uh, interrupted the entrances. Fiend was the only one who got one. Now, the fact that The Fiend came to the ring without a Fiend universal title but the traditional universal title probably made you believe that this would not be a long-running uh, uh, time as champion. But, I mean, 
If you've watched any WWE TV in the last week and you thought that The Fiend was going to leave Payback as champion, I got a bridge to sell you. What are you, new to this? So, having Roman come out and trying to get the cheap victory and little moments, looking at Paul Heyman and going, Paul, I need a ref out here. Paul Heyman, the advocate, is clearly stepping into that sort of agent manager space of a person who views himself as more valuable than the WWE brand. That Roman doesn't do anything anymore. Paul Heyman takes care of it. If Roman needs a referee in the ring, Paul Heyman takes care of it. If somebody wants Roman to sign something, let Paul give the approval. All of it. Even at the end, when Roman had the title and he was looking at Paul and he was like, I was close. Roman only talks to Paul Heyman and through Paul Heyman. He's like Tony Soprano. There's a buffer between Roman and the rest of the world. And I love it. I love it. Uh, To see, first of all, the -the over-the-top rope uh, Charles Robinson bump in that main event, fabulous. Thought it was great. Way to go, Charles Robinson. And to see the... The Fiend go out only to have Braun Strowman take the pin. One, two, three. Roman Reigns wins the title. Man, I thought it was perfect. I thought it was perfect. It went exactly as I thought it would go. We talked about it with the Patreon folks, the Not Sam Shills at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. We talked about it on the Thursday bonus podcast that gets posted there every week. And we talked about it in the Zoom room that we did before payback. We do Zoom chats before every pay-per-view that I'm home for. So um, we were talking about that, and I said, yeah, of course. Braun, Roman walks out champion. Braun takes the pin. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic with the way that it came out. Then to watch Roman and Paul Heyman be side-by-side, and no tension, no weird, like, Roman not really wanting to do this, Roman being full on board, not happy to be back in front of the crowd, and nor should he be. This is a guy who should be saying, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this in spite of you. I'm the best. I'm better than all of you. I beat John Cena. I beat everybody. And you and I got to earn your respect? No, you got to earn my respect. That's the Roman Reigns that I've been wanting to see. Why should Roman Reigns have to work this hard to gain the respect of people who are not his equals? Why? But because you pay for a ticket, that means that Roman has to try to earn your respect? No. Roman's doing things that you couldn't dream of. Roman's doing things that guys on the roster couldn't dream of. And that's the Roman Reigns that we're seeing today. The Roman Reigns who knows how good he is. And instead of apologizing for it, is going to live by those standards. And if you can't keep up with him, screw you. Get in line. Now, a couple of things came up. I saw uh, one person in the Discord room say uh, that uh, this is, uh, to him, it felt a little flat because the live crowd wasn't back. We got to get that stuff out of our heads for right now. Okay? We are not, we, we can't spend a year in a holding pattern because we're waiting for live crowds to come back. We can't sit there and just be on TV. It's not enough. Look, most of the stuff 
that happened in the Performance Center is not stuff that you're going to look back on and watch and go like, oh, that was a good time. I'll watch the greatest wrestling match ever. I'll watch the cinematic matches. But there's not a lot that happened in that Performance Center that I'm going to go back and watch and go like, what a great memory in the history of WWE. I will go back and watch tonight the way tonight's match ended and say, what a great memory in the history of WWE. The Thunderdome is here. The fans are on the screen. WWE is doing more than anybody could possibly expect them to do, in my opinion. I think that we are now looking at a time where this is not holding pattern wrestling. This is business. This is WWE. This is let's present a product because it's not enough anymore. Clearly, it's not enough to just be on the air. It's not enough. So if just being on the air is not enough, what do we have to do? How about this? Put on the best show that we could possibly put on. And that doesn't just mean the best matches. That means the most creative shows that we can possibly put on. And that's what I'm seeing here. When I left Payback, I'm not thinking, oh, uh, it would have been nice in front of fans. I'm thinking stories are back. Creativity is back. Storytelling, like this is character work is back. That's what's got me pumped up. There's drama here. There's stuff to unpack, things to unfold. What's going on with Alexa Bliss in the back, staring at a monitor, you know, with more dreadlocks than she had on SmackDown? Is The Fiend going to take her? She's in love with The Fiend. Does The Fiend turn babyface? And that brings us to our next question. I saw on Twitter, one concern that was brought up was, okay, having uh, Roman Reigns as a monster heel is a good thing, but not necessarily in a space where there's not a monster babyface. And that's true. There are no monster babyfaces. You could have said, well, maybe we can get Braun Strowman to be that guy, but he's been destroyed. And I don't think that's a bad thing. But realistically speaking, Braun has no place in the main event scene anymore. The Fiend beat him and Roman Reigns beat him. It's time to go back to the drawing board with Braun Strowman. And that's fine. You know, I, I, I am still of the opinion that the Fiend should take Braun Strowman under his arm and the Fiend should have like a menagerie. The Fiend should have a traveling circus. The Fiend should have a group with him. Alexa Bliss, Braun Strowman, and the Fiend should be a trifecta. Braun Strowman being the monster. Alexa Bliss being whatever Alexa Bliss becomes. Not Sister Abigail, something unique to Alexa Bliss. And The Fiend being The Fiend. I think that that's what you're looking at. So, what is the future for Roman Reigns? That's the question. Where does Roman Reigns go from here? Look, there are a few options. First of all, clearly The Fiend is entitled to a rematch. Clearly we are going to get, and not even a rematch, just a match. We are clearly going to get a Fiend versus Roman Reigns match, the match that we thought we were going to get at WrestleMania, although the roles will be reversed. We are headed into an era where we are going to get a babyface Fiend versus a heel Roman Reigns pay-per-view match, whether that happens at Clash of Champions, whether that happens in October, whether that happens at Survivor Series. I would imagine it'll happen at Clash of Champions. If it doesn't, I would imagine it happens in October. I hope that they don't do the cornball Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt, and then he beats Bray Wyatt, so now he can fight The Fiend. Like, let's go straight to The Fiend. 
you know, and have, you know, Roman Reigns has to figure out how to beat him. And you go, okay, that's one guy. Who's the who's the big baby face, though? First of all, The Fiend is a massive baby face. Second of all, let's look at what just this pay-per-view alone did. Clearly, SmackDown is being positioned to have, or, or WWE in general, to have good guys ready to try to dethrone Roman Reigns. There's a reason why Matt Riddle was on this pay-per-view and defeated Baron Corbin, a credible bad guy. There's a reason why Big E was on this pay-per-view and defeated a credible bad guy, Sheamus. This is all part of a larger story. These are all just pieces moving in a much bigger story. Matt Riddle and Big E were moved up the ladder tonight. And over the next month and two months, you will see Big E and Matt Riddle both be pushed up the ladder. You're also going to see possibly a returning top babyface in Daniel Bryan. You're telling me you don't want to see a babyface Daniel Bryan versus a heel Roman Reigns? Come on. Come on. It's perfect. You can tell the story of Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns. You can tell these two parallels, these two different paths that it took to get there. Daniel Bryan is everything that Roman Reigns wanted to be when he was getting cheered. And Roman Reigns is everything Daniel Bryan wanted to be when he wanted that push. And let's not forget, we are five to, five, five to six weeks away from a draft. I mean, the world is our oyster here. Let's not be so narrow-minded. Let's not get boxed in to what's directly in front of us. We've got The Fiend, Daniel Bryan, Big E, Matt Riddle. Possibly future plans for Roman Reigns. But realistically, can you see The Fiend, Daniel Bryan, Big E, or Matt Riddle dethroning Roman Reigns? Not, not anytime soon. Probably not even this calendar year. But I'll tell you what. Something else happened at this pay-per-view. Something else happened, and it happened in the form of Keith Lee coming out and doing what I thought he needed to do, and that's impressing people, and that's beating Randy Orton one, two, three in the middle of the ring. Beating Ro Randy Orton in a fashion that was more impressive than Drew McIntyre did. I think Clash of the Champions, you're looking at Roman Reigns versus The Fiend, and I think you're looking at Drew McIntyre versus Keith Lee versus Randy Orton in a triple threat. Unless we kick Randy Orton all the way out of that triple threat and do Keith Lee versus Drew McIntyre. But I think more likely you're looking at Keith Lee, Drew McIntyre, and Randy Orton for the main event of Clash of Champions. But more importantly, right after Clash of Champions, you've got a draft. I believe in my heart right now that the match that WWE is looking for is Keith Lee versus Roman Reigns. I think that this is the long-term plan for a super heel universal champion, Roman Reigns. Keith Lee is the babyface response. To me, that's exactly, exactly 
where they're going to go, where they should go. We're going to spend a couple months building Roman Reigns as this horrible human being and a couple of months building Keith Lee as this beacon of hope and athleticism in the WWE. We're going to get him on the same roster. We're going to keep him away from each other to start. Find, And that's why I said there's other opponents. The Fiend gets us at least to October, maybe further. And then we keep Roman Reigns occupied until then. Now, I think that the I think that what's beautiful about WWE right now is that there are no guarantees. I would imagine that there's probably in the heads of Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard and everybody else who makes decisions over there, there are probably some possibilities for WrestleMania, some potentials for next year's WrestleMania, but I don't think anything's guaranteed. I think for the next three months, that's September, October, November, the WWE is going to be looking at Keith Lee, is going to be looking at, I mean, Matt Riddle. Amazing that they both came from Evolve. Is going to be looking at Big E. And who knows who else, but I'll bet bet those might be your top three prospects. And trying to figure out what they want WrestleMania to look like this year. Now look, who knows? Who knows? We could just end up with another Goldberg-Roman Reigns match at WrestleMania. It's possible. I think dumb, because they, they expect people to cheer for Goldberg, but possible. But realistically, I think those are the three guys. After tonight, and lots of things could change, by the way, between now and then. But I think in the next three months, we're going to watch baby faces rise in the WWE to find out who is going to be that guy to dethrone Roman Reigns. And that is going to be a hell of an exciting race. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch as we go through. But, man, I was uh, I was excited. I was excited coming off of, of payback with the potential for new and the potential for different. And I think that that is something that the WWE has been lacking. That is something WWE really needs. Brock Lesnar is another name that can get thrown around. What's going to happen with Brock Lesnar? Well, I think the coolest thing ever would be, in the, at least in the beginning, to have Brock and Roman both be under the tutelage of Paul Heyman. But we could easily, come WrestleMania, have a babyface Brock Lesnar squaring off against the heel Roman Reigns. Only to have Brock Lesnar win, only to have Keith Lee stare down Brock Lesnar the night after WrestleMania, much like he did in the Royal Rumble match. It's very possible. Anything's possible right now, though. That's the beauty of of where WWE is. Anything's possible. Look, interesting stuff happening. Um, aside from the Roman Reigns stuff, you know, I thought that the idea that Retribution, I think it's almost looking more and more like it might be a could be a Seth Rollins faction. I don't know. Retribution has taken taken a powder since Monday. No retribution on SmackDown on Friday. No retribution at Payback. No retribution at SummerSlam. I don't know. Maybe they've realized that like people thought Retribution was cool, but Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns as a, as a team is like the coolest thing ever, ever. This is something we've literally been asking for for years. 
So that's what I'm thinking. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe you have Randy Orton pin Keith Lee. Randy Orton wins the WWE Championship. Randy Orton gets drafted to SmackDown. Roman Reigns gets drafted to Raw. Drew McIntyre starts coming after Roman Reigns. Many directions you could go in. Many, many directions that you could go in. But I was excited about all of them, man. I was excited about the pay-per-view tonight. I think I had other things that I wanted to say. Everything's just floating around in my head right now. Uh, Look, I had a, a, a great opportunity this week to sit down and chat with Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee had one of the greatest, one of the great first matches that you will see in a WWE ring, especially since expectations were so low. I would argue that Pat McAfee's just his, his Pat McAfee's performance alone might have been the best performance by an outside athlete ever in WWE. Uh, when he went in there and faced Adam Cole. Uh, at NXT TakeOver 30. Uh, I had a lot of questions for Pat McAfee, um, including in the formation of all this happening, his WWE career and waiting for this, how he was feeling the next day. And he does, I think, I know that he's done a bunch of interviews and I know that people have asked him where he's going, if he's going to wrestle again. And he said, I don't know, but he gives us a little bit more of a concrete answer here on this podcast, because that's what we do. Scoops Roberts, hack wrestling journalist, gets the answers. So let's get into it. This week, not Sam Wrestling interview, Pat McAfee. Let's go. Wait, I'm not going to hit the sweeper yet. Before we get into Pat McAfee, I've told you guys before about all the benefits to being a Not Sam shill at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. We were talking about it earlier in the show. Every pay-per-view that airs, as long as I am home, I am in the Not Sam studio talking with some of the shills in a Zoom room. Every show that we do from the Not Sam studio gets streamed live exclusively for Not Sam shills at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. Every video we post comes out first at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. Every week, there's Q&A for the people that watch along to the live podcast recording. For less than $1 a week, you can sign up now to be a Not Sam show. And just for signing up in that introductory level tier, less than a dollar a week, you get a second Not Sam Wrestling podcast. Less than a dollar a week, Thursday, Not Sam Thursday is yours. Two Not Sam Wrestling podcasts every single week, plus one of the great benefits, the best benefit, if you ask me, is access to our Discord room. Every day, 24 hours a day, we are in that Discord room talking about wrestling with all of the Not Sam shills. You want to become a shill? Sign up today. Patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. All right. This is the conversation that I've been wanting to have for a little while. I thought about... Uh, inviting Pat McAfee to have a conversation before the match at NXT TakeOver 30. But I thought it would really be a lot more valuable to have the conversation after so we can talk about the kind of full circle. Like, I don't, right in the middle of all that anger and all that emotion and, and everything's running high, adrenaline, testosterone, you know, I don't know if I want that energy around me. But now that we're a week removed and we can reflect, I think it's time. First of all, welcome 
Pat McAfee. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for having me. And I'll tell you what, mm. all the testosterone that was flying around, I know that it would have been radiating from you like it always does <laughs> at an all-time high. That's true. Uh, going into the match, there was a lot of chaos, obviously, doing my show, running my business. I got married in the middle of it, had a honeymoon in the middle of it all. Plus the WWE, plus getting the deal done to have the match and the physical I had to take. I had my entire body. So I'm thankful that you said, hey, we'll worry about this afterwards because I had a lot on my plate. But, man, it is great to chat with Sammy Brand Muffins once again. Dude, I knew it was, I knew it was uh, like th that it was coming across right when I was getting texts from people who I don't even really talk to like that. Like I know them. Um, but they know that I know you. And I'm just getting texts from people that I don't even know watch wrestling going, hey, man, did Pat McAfee really in the middle of his honeymoon go and do NXT? I'm like, yeah, like that's Pat McAfee. That's what he does. He puts 100% into whatever he's doing. Actually, it's, it's something that the work-life balance thing, Triple H uh, has had one of the best quotes about work-life balance ever, which is it doesn't exist. You put 100% into whatever you're doing at that time. And if I know you, Pat, I'm sure that on your wedding day, because that's what you were doing, it was 100%. And then the first day of the honeymoon, it was 100%. And then the next day, it was, all right, babe, I got to go to full sale real quick. I got to do some commentary. You know, I got I to gotta, I gotta throw some barbs at Adam Cole a little bit. And you were 100% there. And then as soon as you leave full sale, in a huff, by the way, with some real profane language, I'll say, by the way, as soon as you leave there, it's back to being 100%. Because I watched your promo from your honeymoon, and I was like, this is not the same energy that I got at Full Sail. <laughs> the, uh, you're, all, you're almost spot on there. Almost okay. spot on. Okay. So that whole work, like that work-life management thing that Triple H had, that's one of the best quotes I've ever heard. And he debuted that on, I believe it was his WrestleMania documentary that they put on WWE, where he went from, like, he was in – like an international business meeting. Then he was running an NXT meeting. Then he was running a takeover show. Then he had to go through what was going to pop off with him and Batista. And it was just like the most busy human in the history of the world. Oh, by the way, he has kids. He has a wife. He has a couple dogs. And that's like kind of – because as you're watching, you're like, how does this guy have enough time in his day? And he's obviously a guy business-wise, uh, everything-wise, that I've like looked up to him. Like I like people that go out there and get it. Like I like people that get after it. So whenever he said that quote, I was like, whew, I've been thinking that, you know, like, hey, hey I, I've been thinking that it's been that way my entire life. Like, how are somebody supposed to be able to focus on everything and have a 50-50 split and all this stuff? It's just not real life. So that whole focus 100% on what you're currently doing thing is just the best way to optimize yourself in any situation. It's like, okay, when I'm here, I'm here. And whatever's next, I'll be there. And that is kind of how the whole thing went. The wedding was awesome, by the way. My lady, uh, uh, I hope and was thankful that she said yes at the time. She did. I got in shape for that. Then whenever I get invited over to Full Sail to go make amends with Adam Cole, and, and my honeymoon was in Florida. I was an hour away. So I was an hour away from where Full Sail was, and I posted a picture, and it was like, hey, you want to make amends with Adam? Or it could be pretty cool, you know, maybe have you commentate. And I was like to my lady, I'm like, I mean, I'm only an hour away. So we got, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got like – we had dinner, you know, maybe you go, I mean, you go get a massage, maybe um, like a pedicure or whatever. Boom, I'll be back. <laughs> this thing, whole thing will happen. So that's kind of how it all plays in. I go over there. Obviously, all hell breaks loose. Uh, he ends up assaulting me with a bottle of water. 
I kick them, get kicked out. Mr. H kicked me out of it. So the same man that invited me there on my honeymoon is the same man that was pushing me the hell out of there. And then obviously the next morning I get up, he says some very rude things about me before making a challenge. And then, so now it just kind of all goes into fast forward. Right. And uh, it was all a blur. It was literally all a blur, but so much went into it there. And I enjoyed the hell out of the entire process, except for losing, obviously. But the entire process, other than that, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I could see it in your eyes. And I mean, this is not like, you know, kayfabe, not kayfabe. This is just Pat McAfee, right? Because at the end of the day, you're not a wrestler. I mean, you are now, yeah. I guess, because you wrestled. But, but, you know, two weeks ago, you were not a wrestler. So it's not like you've been trained on how to behave in character or whatnot. I saw the change, like, behind your eyes. And when you cut the promo in the ring, which I think is when you finally sold fans on this idea of what was going on, I could see that the sort of it, – it was just a funnel straight through the mouth. There was no when – you, when you were talking about making a million dollars in seven different professions and all this stuff, I was like, this is just – straight shit talk this there's no filter here there's no nobody we there was no run through before this there's no script this is pure emotion and fire coming out of this guy right now you know it's very interesting because you hear about the wwe like making everybody say whatever they want them to say and do whatever you want to do and you have to or do what they have to do like people for me this entire run and now granted it kind of popped up out of nowhere a great situation happens. Let's take advantage of it. But me going in there, uh, I get there. You're like, all right, just kind of go in there. Then you guys will have your face-to-face -face or whatever, you know? And I'm like, all right. I was like, am I allowed to ask for a microphone? They're like, yeah, yeah, you can ask for a microphone or whatever. I'm like, okay. And I was like, anything else? I could, like, I was almost asking them, like, you guys want to tell me, like, what I should be saying here? And they're like, yeah, you, you just go ahead and do your thing. So when I, when I go out there, I, there was a moment there where I had thought about what I was going to say. But I didn't know how I was going to completely piece it together. You know, like, I was like, for 33 years, I've wanted to cut a promo. Right. Right. So I might as well go out there and just cut a fucking promo. Like, that's what I was like, listen, I'm just going to go out there and cut it. let's go ahead and do this. Yeah. And it was a lot of freedom, obviously. Uh, and to be honest, I'm not a good enough actor. So, like, I'm not a good enough. <laughs> I'm not a good enough person to, like, write something up that wasn't real. And I just, I thought you know, back to, like, what really made me, What really made me laugh was realizing that it was just you, like you weren't in some <laughs> space. Because it was this one moment that nobody caught, but I caught it immediately. Because I'm like, oh, I wonder if Pat is going to, like, go out there and pretend that, like, he's better than all the wrestlers and he's going to be this, like, athlete character. And the first thing you do, you walk out there and you're looking at the fans or, you know, the, you know, the people that are in full sale that are booing you. And I heard you on camera. You're just like, what's up, Boogs? Boogs is it? You see his ass. He's like 375 pounds of muscle now. He's just shredded. And yep. I'm walking in, and obviously, I, I would assume if there was some sort of walkthrough, I would have noticed where Boogs is going to be standing. <laughs> Boogs is I'm happy you noticed that. He's sitting there, like, trying to boo you because he's like, yeah, the wrestlers don't like this guy. And you're just like, what's up, Boogs? What's up, Boogs? Good to see you, dude. <laughs> then there was uh, – somebody told me I sucked or whatever in the oh, middle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you suck. Shut up. I couldn't help you. I just couldn't help myself. By the way, it's not like these are just fans. These are people that are there at the performance center. Like, you're going to see them again. And you're just yeah. walking into their ring. You know right. what I mean? Like – Take, go ahead and taking one of the high-profile takeover matches while they're slaving away yeah. at the performance center. They're booing yeah. you, and you're like, no, you suck. Yeah, I used to <laughs> shut up. The, uh, I did 
You know, that was a big thing, though. Once it kind of all settled down there on my honeymoon and Triple H makes the challenge, I accept it, the whole thing. There was more than numerous nights where I would lay down and be like, I cannot believe I am getting a spot on a takeover. Just because takeovers, notoriously, greatest wrestling shows on planet Earth. I was very lucky to be alongside you and Charlie to do the kickoff shows to lead into those. I was very lucky to be in the building for a lot of those things and feel the energy. So there was a lot of moments where I was like, people are going to hate that I have this. Like I, people are going to hate that I am at this takeover. And I understood completely why, but I was, I mean, I've been hated by people for a long time. So I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and lean into this one. I don't really care much at all. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, if you perform, because people were asking me, do you think that Pat's got heat on him for the position that he's in? And I'm like, look, I mean, I think at the end of the day, anybody that's got any sense will look at Pat's performance and that will dictate whether or not he should have been on a takeover show. Like it's one thing like, yeah, of course we can. It's good to get on ESPN, right? It's good for the extra exposure. It's good to get on Pat McAfee's show and like let this whole thing play out and get that extra uh, publicity in for takeover. But at the end of the day, it's the match. It's, the, it's, it's your performance in that match that's going to dictate whether or not you should have gotten that spot. And it felt to me like that conversation ended after the match. Like once the match had happened, people were not sitting there going, well, I don't know why Pat was on that show. It was like, oh, Pat was good. Even, even the people that were sitting there, I mean, the most critical <laughs> experts, the, 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 the experts that couldn't figure out what was going on, right? And they were sitting there criticizing that this was happening at all. Even they, because I would go back and listen to all of them to be like, okay, let's see him backpedal. Because there's no way. I mean, after the match happened, I was like, there's no way. And so, the, and they go like, no, it was good. It was good. No, it was good. It was good. <laughs> and, but, but they always prefaced it with, I, I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand, but it was good. Because like, I was doing the same thing, by the way. Because just like you, and yeah. I mean, obviously I have a show every day in, for, I'm just a sports talk show host, right? So wrestling doesn't make its way into my show on a daily basis. So I think a lot of people just assume like, oh, since I don't talk about wrestling every day, I'm not a wrestling fan, but I follow all the people you're talking about right now. Like I, I enjoy like the behind the scenes drama of wrestling. I enjoy listening to, you know, the smarts and everybody like who knows every, like I enjoy that. I always have, always will. Even if I can't keep up with the shows, I at least follow the wrestling community enough to know what's going on, who hates what, how, who's doing. So like, as soon as, this thing was announced, and I saw, ev- I mean, everybody just got out these shovels and just buried me for it, right? There's mm-hmm. people like, he's not even famous. I don't even know who this guy is. It's like, well, I've been on the fucking kickoff show for like two and a half years. Are you, are you an NXT fan or not? So that, that's one thing. <laughs> I have a question. I listened to one that was like talking about how uh, that you're not famous. At, like, you're, they're like, I don't know, man. His radio show, I was looking at the YouTube hits. He really doesn't get that many hits. And then he comes on and they start this angle and he was on commentary for too long. And then nobody knew the storyline anyway. And I'm like, well, these are the, all these criticisms are canceling each other out. Like even if, <laughs> even if the criticism was nobody knew the storyline, that's why he was on commentary for 20 minutes. He was explaining what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was very, very, the whole process was awesome, but, I'll tell you what, the fans, I knew they were going to hate me, though. Like, I knew yeah. everybody's going to – because being a fan who has watched outsiders come in, I've always hated them. 
right? And it, the WWE has always put them over, like, hey, look who's here. Like, it's always like they're the good guy, they're the good guy. But I knew as a fan, like, I always hated these people because I think in my eyes, I was always like, I'd be better than those people in there. Is yeah. that what I always thought? And then also, well, they're taking a spot of somebody that I would much rather see in there. So I feel like as the outsider getting into the ring, there's always going to be a sense of distaste for it. And I knew that going in. And I knew all the way up until the match that I was going to have to prove myself with a lot of people. Uh, but I, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to end that thing with one switch. I mean, I wanted that thing to be over. I want Adam Cole's head to explode off of his body about 30 seconds in after I walk back and forth, face, bang, bang, blow his head, soul off his body. That's what I wanted to do. But if it lasted longer than that, I wanted everybody to know, like, hey, I respect what goes on in here. Like, I understand how this thing goes. And uh, I was pumped for people to get to see that. I kind of knew a little bit about what's going on. Nowhere near anybody's level that does it on a very regular basis. But I was happy that we put on a, a fight, a show, that people like to watch and be like, hey, that, that's going to hold up, I think, in like five, ten years from now. Yeah, and that you did the work to actually get to yeah. a place where you could hang. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I also think that the outsider thing is important because I feel like what made your story with Cole so interesting and, like, different from what we've seen before is that you're right. Usually the football player comes in and just gets pushed to the moon and it's just like, hey, look who's here, look who's here. But this is the first time where you are actually acknowledged as an outsider, where the guy that you're facing is calling you an outsider, where it's like you – usually the football player comes in He's the baby face, and we're just going to pretend that nobody, nobody thinks that he's an outsider. We're just going to ignore all that. This was the first time that I can remember that the athlete came in, and it was, like, pointed out, like, what is this guy doing here? This guy is an outsider. And I think that's because, Sam, everybody that was involved in it understood, like, that's – Right, like, that's what's going to happen. Like, hey, this is – and I think everybody involved in it knew it, you know? Yeah. Like, including me. I was like, hey, I know exactly how this is going to be viewed whenever we're putting it together after the challenge and everything. It's just, it's become something where, like, if I go cut that promo on Adam uh, that Wednesday night on, on NXT or whatever, mm -hmm. and I go, as a lifelong fan of wrestling, and I go, oh, man, it is so awesome to be a part of the NXT universe. <laughs> like, if I do that, like, yeah. I would have wanted to fight me as a fan. So it's like... <laughs> If people are going to want to fight me anyways, I might as well go in here and let people know why they should want to fight me. And I think that type of thing was very much understood by everybody involved. Like, hey, this is how this is going to go. And it's almost like, from my standpoint, because I don't really have, like, an agent or a manager setting this stuff up. It's me doing it. I assume an agent or a manager would be like, uh, you're going to get a bunch of people to hate you. That's not going to help the show or the merch <laughs> or anything you do. Like the reason why other outsiders do this is because they want to get a little pop to get liked by the fans. Right. So then maybe they'll come watch a thing. But instead of that happening, it's just me going, yeah, I think that's how it's going to go. Let's just let's go ahead and fucking run it. Yeah. Like, yeah. That I mean, is just. A, and at the end of the day, the only way you're going to get that, that, that pop from the fans is if you just have a good match. Like, whether they boo you or they cheer you, if you surprise them by doing a backflip off the top rope, you're going to get it, right? So it's like, how about we don't insult their intelligence, and then I do some backflips, and, and that's, hey, that, that'll be the strategy. Sam, I, was, I had never landed that, by the way. Okay, here's, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I'm thinking as I'm watching this, because I watched the match 
in Stanford. After the, after the kickoff, I stuck around. I watched the match in Stanford for two reasons. Number one, I was there. I didn't want to miss it on my commute. But number two, I wanted to see what the guys in Stanford, how they reacted to it. <laughs> and I was sitting there, and I was, I was laughing my balls off. I'm going to be 100% honest. Because right before you did that spot, where because I knew that you wanted to jump from the floor to the top rope. Because you've said that to me before. That's the one thing yeah. I wanted to do. I think even before this was a thing, you were yes. like, I want to have a match one day, and I want to jump from the floor to the top rope. And I was like, okay. Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And I, so I know in my head, I'm like, okay, I think this is what he's setting up. But the camera panned into your face, and I'm like, this dude is so blown up. <laughs> He has no oxygen in his body. I mean, you were panting. I was like, oh, my God. And then when I saw you running, I'm like, he's not going to make it. There's no way he has the energy. And the fact that you pulled it off anyway, I was like, way to go. Uh, at what point in the match did you realize, oh, my God, there is no amount of time on a treadmill that can prepare me for 12 minutes in this ring? Yeah, I have a Stairmaster. I've been on the Stairmaster heavy because I heard a Stairmaster is what shreds you up the best, okay? So yeah. last fall, I was up to like 265, 270 because of my schedule and lack of discipline. I mean, I was in like three, four different cities a week. I was eating pizza everywhere. Now it was just terrible. So I got huge. And then the wedding was going to happen here with my wife. And I was like, man, I cannot just be some fat ass for my wedding because these photos – are going to last forever. And I'm Irish. So when I get fat, my neck gets big. So it's just like, I'm going to get in shape for my wedding. So I did some Googling on what shreds you the fastest. I learned that it was a Stairmaster. So I started hitting this Stairmaster. I'm doing like 100 floors, 150 floors, 200 floors, 235 floors. I'm dripping in sweat. Weight's coming off me. I'm feeling like I'm in the best shape I've been in in my entire life. So then the wedding happens. And then this, uh, the fight gets set up. It's like, okay, I'll just carry this into this. It was like a literally just a perfect storm of everything. So I keep hitting the Stairmaster. I hit, I hit a bike every once in a while. And I'm like, I'm in better shape than I've been in probably 10, 15 years. I'm okay. And then the week leading up to the fight, good friend of ours, Corey Graves, uh -huh. okay? He and I talk a couple of times and Corey's like, how many minutes do you think you last before you just get dead tired in there? I'm like, I've been on my Stairmaster, okay? I'm in best shape I've ever been. Corey's like, you're going to die in there. I was like, why, why are you so negative right now, Corey? I don't need that. You know, I'm like two days away. He's like, you are going to die. And then A.J. Hawk, who's, you don't know who that is, but he's a big-time football player, Super Bowl champion. He was with me in the group. He was like, oh, my God. I just can't wait till you have to puke in the middle of that thing because you're so tired. I'm like, I don't need this. I don't need this in my uh, – part of your entourage. <laughs> yeah, I don't need this in my head. You know, like I need this out. So about three – maybe two minutes into the match. Two minutes into the match. Two. <laughs> two minutes in. I am looking around. I am looking around. And I'm feeling just like, just like I just got done doing 250 floors on the Stairmaster in, in here. And it's just like, like a fool. Oh, my God. And then my legs start burning a little bit. And I'm like, I don't know how much longer we have left. But I know I don't have enough for it. And that was two minutes in. So... You tell me when you saw me, that clip where they zoom in on my face. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, when you were talking about? Yeah. The thought that you had while I was running towards that corner <laughs> is eerily similar to the same thought I had when I was running that corner. There's <laughs> no way I'm getting up there. I guess that's what takes people to the Super Bowl, right? That, 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 that <laughs> mind over matter. <laughs> like, I just have to push through. 
I have to survive here. It literally, it, it felt like a, a survivor die type operation. It was like a, and there was a couple times where uh, I was down mm-hmm. and I wasn't hundred percent sure if I was going to be able to get up and old Drake, <laughs> the ref, you know, ref Drake comes flying in with his good tan. Yeah. He comes in and he's like, uh, you're good. And I looked him right in his eyes. No. Nah. <laughs> no, I matter, am fact, not. matter of fact, Drake, I'm not good at all. <laughs> he asked me four times if I wanted to quit when we weren't even tangled up in anything. I don't know if that's normal or not. He's like, he's over. Like, you want to quit? I'm like, huh? No, no, no. I can't. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Yeah, yeah. Should I quit or do I want to quit? <laughs> What's the question, Drake? <laughs> it was fun, man. It was a lot of fun. You need that in your life every once in a while, though. You need like one of those mental toughness tests. Like, hey, yes. can you can you tough it out? Now, if that if that all goes sideways, there probably regret the decision. But mm-hmm. I think every once in a while you need to have that conversation with your mind on whether or not you could push through something it doesn't want to do. Now that you've seen that side of it. Right. Because I mean, no matter, even if you're an athlete, you still don't understand. I mean, I, I've watched wrestling for 30 plus years at this point. I can't understand what the experience is like to actually work a real match. Was the lack of oxygen the most surprising thing or was there more? Sunday, Sunday, the lack of oxygen for sure. I mean, I wasn't always like, a guy that was built for a long time, you know, I was always built for a good time. So I knew that the cardio could catch me at some point, even when I was playing soccer, I was playing soccer all over the world. And those are like the, the best cardio athletes on the planet. The thing I was best at was finding a good two minutes in the middle of the game to get full bend over. <laughs> let me catch my breath. You know yeah. what I mean? So I knew the cardio was going to be a problem. So that wasn't as surprising it, as early as it came was a surprise. I thought it would maybe, wait a little bit but it came early um sunday though was a surprise i mean sunday when i wake up you Mm -hmm. know and uh the whole back just you know not even just middle back or lower back or upper back it's just the just the back the whole back is sore then obviously i got flipped on my head with the canadian destroyer panama sunrise so neck is hurting as well and then my foot i kicked the steel stairs that by the way those sons of bitches are very heavy, I, I learned. I learned yeah. very quickly. They're not like I fake tinfoil stairs? Oh, no, those things do. Turns out those things do have some weight to them. Yeah. So I got like my foot, ankle, a little bit of my hammy sore, and then my entire back and my neck. And it was just like Sunday was the day where I was like, I don't know how these women and men do this. I have no idea how they do it. By Monday, it got a little better than Tuesday. I was feeling back to normal. But boy, Sunday was a day where I was like, okay, yeah. here we go. This is it. And you're just feeling, I don't think I'll ever be normal again. I think. <laughs> is this my new life? Is this? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, my lady's behind me and I'm doing this number here. You know, like the full, like, are you, is everything okay back here? Like, is this, is this just my new life? My new normal now? Was uh, it, uh... Thankfully, it wasn't. Was it difficult to not have an arena full of people chanting or was it, I mean, for you, I mean, when you're a, 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 not a sports entertainer, but just like, I would imagine a Super Bowl, you're not, the whole goal is to ignore the fans, right? Like you're, you're, you're sitting there trying to complete the task at hand. So I don't want to dive too deep into this, but Super Bowl is actually the weirdest crowd we ever played in front of because the Super Bowl 
isn't just fans from both teams that are playing. It's like a bunch of people that just want to go to the Super Bowl. So the Super right. Bowl is actually the weirdest crowd I'd ever played in there. It was kind of like a uh, – because you know there's hundreds of millions of people watching or whatever it is. Yeah. How, how many people watching. And you know it's the biggest game of all time. But the stadium isn't anywhere near as like – Yeah, half of them don't in, care. Yeah, because yeah. there's just people that are like, oh, I've been to every Super Bowl or – Oh, I'm from this corporation, so I got tickets to this Super Bowl. So, yeah, I, I assume there's some Super Bowl stadiums that have been rompous, but for us, it wasn't. But you got the a NFL, bunch of, you're saying you got a bunch of Sam Robertses in the crowd at Super Bowls. They're like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah it'd be yeah. cool to say I'm at a Super Bowl, but I didn't even know punter was a job. Yeah. Oh, oh, serious, serious has some Super Bowl tickets. I'll go. Yeah. I'll, Am I gonna hey, say no? Yeah. Hey, let's go. What's this team name? Here we go. Here we yeah, go. Yeah. Let's go horseshoes. Let's go yeah. horseshoes. Indiana, Indiana. <laughs> no, so, so, but football-wise, I've been in front of some awesome crowds. You know, like I, I've had a chance to be a part of some games. Now, I, I just ride coattails in all these, obviously, as a punter and kicker of these things. But we played in Houston a couple times where literally your ears hurt after the game. Like, it, it's, like, awesome, you know. And I've never been somebody that tried to block it out. I always, like, enjoyed that there was people. Like, I always enjoyed – People were there. Then I did stand up. I got a chance to do a six thousand seat theater and stand up. That was just awesome. It was just like a wave of humans. So I've always enjoyed the interaction with people, like the the immediate reaction. I think that's why I like Twitter so much, is because it's like immediate reaction, even though you can't see the people. So I think it was a benefit for me getting to wrestle my first match without the incredibly insane fans. I mean, because the NXT fan base is part of the show. I mean, mm-hmm. they are. A part of the show especially with being in those arenas they are a part of it so i think if i think if i was a wrestler who had all those moments in front of those crowds and then i had to go to no fans to what it is now i think right. that would be a lot tougher for me mentally to handle just because of me being a little bit weaker in that standpoint because want to perform for a crowd but since it was my first one like i feel like i was very lucky in that like i had no other thing to compare it to but i got a message from a lot of wrestlers that were like Oh, can't be a one-off. You have to do that in front of a crowd at some point. You can't. You have to be able to do it in front of a crowd. It'll be a whole different ballgame. I'm like, I don't know, man. It's pretty awesome. Without They're like, no, no, you have to do it with it in front of a crowd. So I can assume it would be weird for people, but for me, it was just like first time. I don't know anything else, you know? Did you, uh, did you see yourself as a wrestler or a football player that was wrestling? Because, like, I had, I had Ron Funches on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and I was asking him about you. And he was like, it's great, you know, because it seems like, Pat McAfee is not so much Lawrence Taylor. And I said, more like Steve Mongo McMichael. And then Funches oh. said, no, Kevin Green. <laughs> I was like, okay, Kevin Green, who wrestled like three or four matches for WCW. Did you start going through like, here's the football players that have wrestled? Or did you put football player out of your brain and go like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be inspired by wrestlers that I grew up as a fan of? Yeah, I... I... No offense to LT or – hey, listen, Mongo is a legend in of his, himself. I mean, he is have more you seen relevant. The memes? Oh, have I seen <laughs> What will Mongo do next? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was I, – I love Mongo, okay? The fact that he had the pile driver uh, <laughs> is awesome. Grossly irresponsible. Just horrendously irresponsible. Just, I, now that I know a little bit more about the business, too, I don't know how any of that ends up happening, but I love Mongo. I respect anybody that's obviously 
got into the business, I respect because their fanhood and everything like that. But for me, I was not trying to be a football player in there. I, I assume that there were some things that were potentially thought about happening. And after the first couple conversations with me, it was like, hey, I, I am a wrestler. I am wrestling. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be a wrestler. It's like when I do stand up comedy, it's like, hey, I am a stand up comedian at this point. I'm not a guy trying to do stand up comedy. Whenever I'm. Whenever I'm doing my show, even though I'm not a natural radio show host, like, okay, here, I'm going to do everything I can to be the the best radio host I can be right now. So it's just like, for me, it's, I don't want to say being a chameleon, but buying into where you're at. Yeah. And uh, that's why I, I watched the LT match. I saw him get carried out afterwards because he was so tired. I mean, there was, so there was a lot of doubt creeping in on whether or not I was going to be able to survive. And I almost didn't, but I have a lot of respect for all those guys, but I was trying to just be, let's look like, let's be a wrestler in there. Let's get a win here. Who are the wrestlers that, like, you look at and go, that's, that's the type of wrestler I want to be? You know, my punches, I think, were rock-like. I think mm-hmm. people could say my punches were a little rock-like. I mean, okay. whenever I was stomping, I think you could see a little stone cold in there, I assume. And I think those two, by the way, uh, alongside D-Generation X, those three groups right there, they probably shaped my personality. I, I think anybody that's ever met me could see a little bit of Stone Cold in me, a little bit of The Rock in me, and a lot of Degeneration X in me. I think well, they the act. The, the, the suck it. You see, you see, <laughs> you see the suck it. The, uh, <laughs> but I, I think I think a lot of my personality was shaped around that Attitude Era wrestling. Yeah. So I think naturally, when you see me in the ring, that's when we have it. I had to give a shout out to the uh, Jeff Hardy, obviously, uh, with a little Swanton out there, a little Shelton Benjamin. Uh, and then, by the way, Owen Hart backflip off the top. Yeah, you know what I mean. That, that was something uh, that always I thought looked cool and kind of disappeared. So it was always it was a lot of things that I just picked up through my fanhood that I thought were cool and see if I could accomplish. And that doesn't make me an original at all, by the way. And I understand that, but I think I could pay a little bit of a tribute somehow, some way. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually thinking after everything. This was only like in the last couple of days. I was like, man. I remember two years ago, and it was like probably to the day, sitting down with you and going, you don't need to quit, Pat. Like, nope, this is my last show. I think I'm done. I think this I is, have to quit. This is yeah. the last one. And this was not the I'm going to quit WrestleMania. This was before that. This was two years ago, TakeOver Brooklyn, SummerSlam weekend, you deciding. And I think it might have only been your second show. Oh, yeah. Right, because wasn't that WrestleMania the first, maybe third? I think it was third. Yeah, because there was a takeover, I think, in between. Okay, so it's like the third show. And you, you, were, you were legit. I was like, nope, Pat. And you're like, nope, nope. I, you almost didn't do that show. You wanted to call the plane, plane. <laughs> and get out of there <laughs> before the show went on because you were inebriated the night before. Um, I was embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. I was like, I got to get out of here. I can't talk to any of these people. I'm fans of all these people. I like all these people. And now yeah. I'm hearing a story about me getting carried out, puking, Mark Henry having to drag me alongside Sam Roberts and the thing. And I'm starting to see pictures now of me showing up at different events from the night before. I'm like, I don't want to see any of these people ever again. I need to get the hell out of here. Sam, <laughs> Sam Roberts is like, oh, Pat, oh, I forgot to tell you about this last night. You did this also, but don't leave. Don't leave. I'm like, Sam, I am so embarrassed right now. I'm getting the hell out of here. There are places that uh, I just will never go. Like, it, it happened. Like, there are places I'll never go again. I pooped my pants as an eight-year-old at this one restaurant in Plum, uh, where I grew up. Still haven't gone back. Still haven't gone back. Can't do it. So, yeah, that was 
I thought about that too. I talked to Mark Henry about that literally a week of. I'm like, hey, Mark, uh, you think you think that night where you were just you picked me up like I was a toothpick around New York City and just carried me around after I puked or whatever? You ever think you know what this guy, this sack of bones over my body, he's gonna be wrestling in a takeover one day? Do you ever think that? <laughs> and Mark was like, I knew you were special. <laughs> 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 what a night yeah but aren't aren't you glad you didn't quit yeah i'm pumped I, i'm so lucky to, like the i don't know it's the whole week was stupid we caught a fight week we we're down in orlando you know and there was a lot of like reminiscing going on text messages from friends of mine from like high school that i've been talking about doing this college i talk about doing this in the pros different teams that have are different players that i've had on the teams throughout the years where maybe they were with the colts for like one year it was my second year but we got tight and then they left i got so many text messages and dms from people that were like hey man you've been talking about this for a long time enjoy it they'll say enjoy it enjoy it and then i got in there and i got so damn tired so quick <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was tough to enjoy I can't enjoy this. I can't. I'll, but you, you can enjoy it now, right? It's one of those things you can look at now and enjoy that you did. But in that moment, it would have. You didn't have the capability to enjoy. You barely breathe. I think it takes a lot of energy to potentially enjoy something. Yeah, and oh, boy, yeah. I did not have a lot of energy. But the, uh, it was cool, man. It, there's been a lot of hindsight here, the last couple of days, the last week since it's happened. It's just I lived the dumbest life of all time. The dumbest life of all time. It's no question. I'll tell you what I think impressed people, at least in Stanford, you know, the producers and stuff, multiple people turned around after when, once the match was over and they went, wait, did they just do a wrestling match? Like they were waiting for all the bells and whistles, all the, you know, all the decoration that you put on a match to disguise the fact that somebody can't work. That's what they were waiting for. And they were all kind of blown away that you just did a wrestling match. And that it was at the end of the day, it was start to finish a straight up Adam Cole, Pat McAfee wrestling match. Hey, and I think there's a story in the match too. If you yeah. want, like, I, I think this, there's a story told in the ring as well. So it was, uh, it felt a little old school, didn't it? It felt a little old school in there. It definitely felt old school. And I also, I liked the story because I feel like if you didn't pay attention to the story, like I think people were, people were waiting for me to shit on you because I've shat on you before on the kickoff shows. Like literally Scott Stanford like had a line that he writ wrote in for himself and he was like, yeah, this is where I'm gonna open it up so you could shit on McAfee. Ha 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 ha. I was like, okay, like, you know, I never talk about it, but I was like, but if you pay attention to the story that's being told and I'm speaking honestly, Adam Cole is sitting here going, Pat's gotta respect the business. The fans are sitting here going, we don't like Pat because he doesn't respect the business. But in my opinion, if you tell somebody, hey, you need to respect me, and then they kick your head off your shoulders, your <laughs> question's been answered. You have no jurisdiction anymore. Now, of course, now that we've passed that, I would say Adam Cole has earned a certain degree of respect. But in that moment, when he was like, you have to respect me now, and you were like, well, I kicked your head off, so I actually don't. Until you beat me, I don't have to respect you at all. And that's true. So who who has to respect who here? I just right. just just quick question. I, I I do respect you, but I mean the only other physical encounter that we've had literally ended with Shawn Michaels checking you for vitals, and that is how <laughs> I started that Wednesday night thing. Because 
when I got a chance to watch it back, obviously I didn't get to see it, but it ran through the internet Thursday afterwards or whatever. And I was back on my honeymoon. I did not know Shawn Michaels was in there checking for a pulse. I'm like, did I just kill a man in there? <laughs> so, yeah, it but then, was. But then at the same time, at the same time, right, when you're in the match and you realize that you're going up for a Canadian destroyer. When I saw you take a Canadian destroyer, I was like, are you kidding me? He's taking the, why would you take the Canadian destroyer? But when you're going up, right, and when you're going up, you're off your feet and you go, wait a minute. We're about to land a Canadian destroyer with me on the wrong end of this thing. Did you think to yourself, how ironic for a kicker, this could be the last time I ever feel my legs. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of thoughts about that as we were flipping through the sky. But <laughs> the point of exhaustion at that point that I was at, I was completely okay with it. I think I I just come to terms. <laughs> I've come to terms with anything that could have potentially happened. If I, just, I never I move so again, tired. I'll be fine. Because I'm too tired to do anyway. <laughs> if you look at back, there's a moment where uh, you actually see me go, like, all right, I'm just going to take this like a man. I, like, I'm just going to – like, there's a moment where I'm like, all right, I'm just going to take this like a man. Yeah. He just – he super kicks me off. So why did I go to the top rope again? Man? I don't what know, What was man. I – Because you, it's ego. Because you just want to be – you want to be a luchador. You want to be doing flips off the top rope. But you can't do that when you're as big as you are and there's no oxygen in your body. I, and this is all hindsight. See, this is the rookie yeah. mistake. Like, he – he definitely baited me into kicking those stairs too. Hindsight, watch it back. Hindsight, like, yeah, yeah, because he, he knew he knew he that those knew. stairs are a dangerous object. Here's what you don't consider, right? As a fan, you watch those things and you're like, "Oh, those have to be paper thin." But you don't realize those are the stairs that the aforementioned Mark Henry walks up to to get to the ring. They are they're strong and hard enough that they can support Mark Henry walking on them. I'm pretty sure that your leg is not going to win in a fight against them. Well, and I just hit Adam Cole with a superplex. Almost had him, right? One, two, we did it. So I, he knew that I thought that I was about to win this thing. So he hangs his head next to those stairs. I mean, that's an obvious rookie mistake by me. Like, yo, if something's too good to be true here, why is his head hanging right there for me to punt like a ball 200 yards? So that hurt my foot. That really affected some things. Then me going to the top rope, after already hitting him with a uh, clothesline from hell, by the way. I know you saw it. Oh, dude, I texted you. I was like, because I was like, cause there was this, that when you were punching him, right? When you were punching him, I was like, come on, Pat, you can lay him in better than that. Let's go. Let's punch him in the face. This is your <laughs> one match. You know, start, throw those potatoes in. Make him feel them. And I was like, okay, but maybe, maybe Pat's taking it easy because he's just trying to feel things out. And then when you just, Hit him with that Bradshaw. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, maybe Pat's I, too tired to not make it count. Because it was like, my only option here is to take all my body weight and throw it into this arm. <laughs> I've seen a photo. There's a photo. My full body is in, like, a straight line. So, like, when you're lifting, you're trying to get your body into, like, a straight – like, your most powerful kick is when your leg is at leg lock. Like, whenever mm -hmm. you're lifting, you're trying to get full extension. Like, when your body is at max is when it's completely straight, you know? There's a photo of me close-lining him. I'm up on my tippy toes, leaning forward like Michael Jackson. Body is just <laughs> – I mean, it was a – I mean, it was – but then the punt obviously hurt before he gets out. I don't know why I go to the top rope right there. That was very dumb of me. I, I yeah. think 
I think I'm undefeated. I don't go to the top rope, obviously. And aside from that match, by the way, I'm still undefeated, which people forget about. But there was, I mean, there was a that couple. match though. That that match is a huge, huge percentage of the matches that you've competed in. Yeah, but what we're saying is, if you just get rid of that one, I'm oh, still okay. undefeated. All right. So no. that that's yeah. it's just percentage wise. It'd be a, a ton, It'd be like taking half your career and forgetting about it. Yeah, yeah. But if you eliminate that, right? I'm still percentage wise batting a thousand. So. You know what I mean? No, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, I get Okay, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, but I think I'm a couple of rookie mistakes away from being actually undefeated as opposed to having to just take one little night out of my life and still be undefeated. So is this the type of thing that you're like, I got the bug, I want to do this again? Because I know you were wanting to do this for a long time. Like, I mean, you know, I, I so early on to us talking, you said you wanted to do this. Not that you wanted to necessarily have a match with Adam Cole, but just that you wanted – to get in the ring you wanted to do something at one point you were like maybe i'm gonna go out on the indies and just start throwing myself through tables you're like i gotta i gotta get in there i gotta do something um do you feel like <laughs> could you imagine if i would have done that by the way how awesome oh. that would have been <laughs> i mean it would have been great probably would have spoiled this moment but it would have been if you just showed up at house of hardcore I would have gone. I would have gone to the show. You know what? If you had been in a house of hardcore, they probably would have let me be your manager there. I probably oh. would have, <laughs> we probably could have gotten some people stirred up at an indie show. Um, oh, but yeah, I would say probably the wiser move was to, was to wait on that. Do you feel like that has been satiated or do you feel like now that you know what it is, even though it was impossible, obviously it's going to get more comfortable the more times you do it. Do you feel like you've got the bug or it's been satiated? Yeah, it's very interesting. Because um, leading into the match, and I, I've said this a couple times before already, the conversation all around me, conversation all around me was happening. If, is, is this his only match? And then he saw people start talking about, is it going to be a one-off? And then Triple H actually in the press conference and said, he doesn't think this is going to be a one-off because he knows me and knows how much I want to do this and everything like that. And I was getting asked those questions. And I was like, yeah, let's just wait till Sunday. Like, because of what we started this entire conversation with, like, I just want to be, let mm -hmm. me just focus 100% on this right here. I don't want to worry about anything down the road because just like you, like, let's see how the match goes. All right. this does not matter. Let's see how the match goes. So then the match goes how it goes. I obviously lose, but seems like it's pretty well received. Sunday, I wake up, my whole body is sore. You know, my whole body is sore. And I, Poorly I think, received by your body. Oh, the body did not like the match as much as it seems everybody else did. But the the body was sore. I had this awesome cheat day. You know, my lady put together one of the best cheat days I've ever had in my entire life, a la The Rock, who is yet to comment on the post. <laughs> That's a bummer. Troy Aikman, Troy Aikman commented on it. Uh, Adam uh -huh. Schefter commented on the sports world. A lot of people commented on it. The Rock, the Tara Mana Tequila, not involved. Not going to talk about it. So a little bit of a little bit of a buzzkill, but the Rock was the motivation for the cheat day. So he already did his job. He already okay. Did. All so right. I have the cheat day. The Indy 500 is also that day. Watch the Indy 500. Then SummerSlam. So like the day kind of rolled by pretty quickly. And then Monday, I got my show now. So I have to do my show. And we're so talking about the reaction and what's going on in sports that I hadn't even thought of the future until after my show where I have to do a couple interviews or whatever that were set up by the WWE. And the only thing they wanted to know, literally the only thing anybody would know is like, are you going to do this again? Are you going to do this again? What's next? What's next? 
And at that point, I was like, I have no idea. Like, hey, I have no idea if I want to. I have no idea if there's anything else available. I am not under contract right now to do anything else. Like, I don't, I'm not sure. I loved what I was doing, and I wish I would have won, but I love what I'm doing. And now I'm at the point where it's like, if something popped up that it was presented, I think I would definitely want to see if I can last longer than two minutes without getting dead tired again. You yeah. know, like I, or if I can end, because I lost. You know, like that's the problem, Sam. Because of your percentage game you just played to me earlier, where I could say, like, if if I would have won that, I would yeah. assume you're never seeing me again, right? Because why would you? Right. Uh, if you if you do that, but since I lost, I think my thought, and I'm starting to lean towards like, if an opportunity presented itself, and I could get back in there and do something awesome, I think I would do it. But that situation has not been presented. There's been no conversation. But I am definitely very much open-minded to the thought of it. I don't know about my wife, but I know for me, for sure. Well, yeah, maybe if you start, like, shitting on somebody, then, like, maybe you'll have another match in four years or something like that. Well, that you know seems I mean? like we that, was, this that was... Adam, Adam Cole thing. We, we kind of laid the blueprint for that type of thing here for, like, the last three and a half years. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That's the blueprint. That's right. the blueprint. I like that. I like that. So your wife, is your, is your, was your wife a fan of what you were doing or was she kind of cringing the whole time and worried about you? We watch, we watch a lot of wrestling together, you know, yeah. so she's a wrestling fan. I think there was obviously moments where she was very worried about what could possibly happen. Yeah. You know, uh, she didn't, I don't want to say she didn't love the honeymoon trip, the full sale and then the honeymoon <laughs> get up interview uh that whole thing i don't know if she loved that necessarily but she's been on my team she's been on board she's cool with whatever she did get worried though that i was going to get hurt we don't have kids yet so she thought about that i assume so i mean there's always those real things but i think now that i've shown what i can do in there not only to the humans out there but to my lady i think she has a little bit of a different thought process potentially you know uh you brought up mark henry and uh it blew my mind i don't think this got enough traction i have tweeted about it multiple times now i am i've told people about it i couldn't believe when you asked that man how much weight he's lifted and he said when he said i did a 940 pound deadlift and then he said without straps i went what what so his hands his hands could hold 940 pounds his hands could just hold that first of all that's a car it's a car i've never look i i have i have done deadlifts before pat mcafee i'll tell you that and i'm yeah not anywhere near 940 pounds not even a fraction of that i mean i guess technically a fraction of that but a very small fraction of that yeah Um, percentage but i've i've known what i can do with no straps and what i can do with straps and they make a huge difference huge yeah yeah i am a i'm a high confidence guy okay so whenever um like for instance in the nfl for kickers and punters you get balls to practice with there's some kickers that like brand new balls because they're harder to kick so that when the game day comes around it seems easier because the balls are broken in a little bit right yep I was not that dude. Give me the beat up balls in practice. I want to see these things fly. Like I want to see, I want to see balls fly. Like I'm always like a, I just like to see success. Like that, that keeps me going. It's like my type of thing. So anytime I would lift, whether it was hand clean, 
uh, uh, deadlift. I'm always using the straps just because right. it's like, hey, this thing gives you such a larger advantage it's crazy. than if you're not to use it. It's like two, I don't want to say 2X because saying that he can potentially get 1,800, but whatever <laughs> it is, it makes it so much easier. Whenever he said no straps, I, my jaw almost dropped out of my face. I was just like, are you kidding me? And then you heard him take a little shot at somebody else, I think. He said, yep. you heard him say, like, somebody done a thousand. I just want to see him do it without straps or whatever. You could see that that eats at Mark Henry a little bit, that he doesn't get enough credit. You're right. More people should talk about that. Yeah, because he could do a thousand with straps easy. If he could do 940, no straps, you put some straps on. He's doing over a thousand easy. I was actually mad and I tweeted it out and I know Mark Henry, I know it's in his heart because he actually liked and retweeted that I was, I was annoyed that Mark Henry came out on raw on Monday and he did the arm wrestling thing. And I was like, Tom Phillips, Hey, stupid Tom Phillips, as he's known on NXT, <laughs> Tom <laughs> Phillips needs to be mentioning that that guy could deadlift 940 pounds, no straps. That should be something that's talked about anytime Mark Henry is introduced. Anytime. I get it. When, when you say world's strongest man, there's probably some things up for conversation. Like, well, what does that mean? He throws the kegs over the things? It's like, no. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Henry, world's strongest man, once deadlifted 940 pounds with his bare hands. Right. No strap. Yeah. That is, that is a, something to talk about for sure. He held, for sure. He held half of a metric ton in his hands and just lifted it. And just stood up with it, stared at everybody, and then threw it down. Yeah. And then said, that's what I do. <laughs> well, hey, that, uh, hall of, that hall of pain, man, was. What an era. That thing, what an era. What an what, era. What an era. era. I love that Mark Henry had that, man. That long into his career. And he has that hall of pain run. Ah, uh, the best. Well, the best. Somebody go get their ass kicked. <laughs> He's got the best music ever. Did you have a hand in picking your music? Uh, there's a whole story. I had a, a band that, like, were mutually fans of each other. Mm -hmm. They were going to – but it, everything happened so last minute. So I asked them, like, hey, is there any way you guys can make me an intro? They're like, yeah, they make, like, a pretty good entrance song. But then we had to go through legalities with their label and like all this shit. So it became, because it was so quick, the process just got all muddled. So WWE, the fine folks over there, they put that together. The day before was the first time I heard it. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I like it. All right, let's go do it. They, uh, they Keith lead you. <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting. Keith Lee's new song has not been well received. But <laughs> no, it has I, not. <laughs> but I just would like it to be known that as somebody who went through a pretty similar process, mm -hmm. the amount of paperwork and the amount of lawyers that are involved in that is a lot. It happened very quickly. Like, well, I, mean, you I thought everything it. was good. I thought everything was good, 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 good. And then they were like, okay, now we got to get down to the real stuff. And it was like, this lawyer will call this lawyer will call this. I'm like, yo, we got three days. I don't know. We, I don't I know mean, if this is going to work. You think about it. When the WWE gets this music, now they're smart enough to know how home video and streaming and all this stuff works. So it's not like they just need the legal right to play it in an arena one night. They're like, we want to be able to play this in an arena and then on television for the, till the end of time. Network, WWE Network. WWE Network, YouTube, everywhere. Video games. Video games. 
Yeah, it's yeah. There's... I mean, if we make action figures that play sounds, we got to make sure that that's written in. We might make a T-shirt with a button on it that plays the music. Got to make sure that that's written in. We need to own the song and everything about it forever. So, what's that going to cost? So, go ahead and ballpark that number. And by <laughs> yeah. the way, we don't know if people are going to like it and we're going to use it more than once. So, yep. what's what's the number you think? Yeah, we may scrap it. So, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a what. That was the one thing going into the match that literally had me very confused about everything. Because one day I was like, oh, I got an intro from these dudes. I absolutely love these guys. Great band. They're going to be good. They're sending me clips of what it sounds like. I'm like, do I have the greatest intro music? Do I have the greatest entrance music in WWE right now? That, that's, like, that's how I was feeling about it. Uh-huh. And uh, the band was all in. And then they were like, okay, here's the blah, blah, blah to handle everything else. And then as soon as the, everything else got involved, it just became like, yeah. Because they got to protect themselves, too. So it's like a full-on, it was a whole scene. So what, I understand what Keith Lee's going through to a much smaller, smaller degree. Sure. What about your gear? What about uh, uh, slapping for the brand on every article of clothing that you could possibly create? Yeah, I did You know, maybe too much, I thought. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe I was like, I, you know what got me? Put it on one knee pad. It didn't need to be on both knee pads. I thought that was the only thing. I was like, I like it on the shoes. I like it on the shirt. I would have liked it on one knee pad. I thought two knee pads was a little much. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to go knee pads. That's what, you, that's what we had talked about. Yeah. What made you change your gonna, mind? Well, I was told by everybody that <laughs> I would very much be thankful for the knee pads. And I yeah. was like, well, I, I don't, I've seen people wrestle without knee pads. And they're like, you 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 should wear knee pads. And I was like, I was like, ah, I got good legs though. I got good legs. I need to show off the legs. They're like, all right. And then like five days before, they're like, you want knee pads? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me <laughs> smart, yeah. smart, smart. Yeah. So the knee pads and the shirt, because the shirt, normal, I wear tank tops a lot, but it's loose. Mm-hmm. So it had to be made a uh, a tight tank top. And I'll tell you what, that was an XL that I had on. I was expecting there to be a little bit of breathing room you know, on said tank top, that thing was skin tight. I mean, that was very, very, very tight. So the, uh, so the moment, the moment at the end of the match where you ripped the tank top off, was that uh, for show or was that for survival? That was for survival. Yeah. I felt like I was getting a bear hug like the entire time. <laughs> like, just like, you know what I mean? And then he took my shirt off to hockey punch me, Yeah. you know? And then he came back down. It felt like I was getting like a rear naked choke across my chest. So like there's a couple of times where I was like, trying to get it back down and everybody's like oh probably trying to cover up your gut or whatever it's like no, literally it's it's bruising my ribs right now. i have to i have to get this back down <laughs> so i mean because everything was so expedited a lot of incredible people had to go to work very quickly and i liked everything i mean i enjoyed the hell out of the music uh, yeah. the look was better than anything i could have put together and um just kind of everything happened so quickly man I thought it was perfect. I thought it was perfect. I thought the whole thing was perfect. You should be very proud. Um, you lost, but you should still be very proud. But if you know, I mean, here, but here's what's interesting though. If you do, if you ever were to come back to a kickoff show, I now am sitting here. You have now gone to a Super Bowl yeah. and a takeover. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I, I'm just saying the Super Bowl was have come up. In the past, yeah. I feel like, I feel like, lost the Super yeah, Bowl. yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the takeover the thing might, uh, might yeah, come but, up. Yeah, yeah, but you won't be allowed to have the last word. Isn't that the rules? 
Why is that? Well, I'm a wrestler. You're a broadcaster. I forgot. Yeah. So. Yeah, I forgot. Wow. There's a certain amount of respect. Well, You're now in the Booker T position where it's like, ah, yeah. I don't want to go too far with, you know, Booker T will slap you in the mouth. Like, oh, yeah, like, well, yeah. I am nowhere near Booker T, but I do believe there are rules. Rules are rules to this thing. Yeah. You know, I mean. Yeah, I guess now if I'm too hard on you. I'm the outsider that's disrespecting the business because you're a sports entertainer. Exactly. So who's <laughs> so is this guy respect the business or that might be the only thing I say on kickoff shows. <laughs> Sam, Sam, since you've never been in there, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you gotta come back to kickoff now. You gotta there's too oh. much there. There's a lot of meat on the bone. Um <sighs> well Pat, thank you for making the time. I appreciate it. You got a busy life, so uh uh so I appreciate it, man. No, I was looking forward uh, to getting a chance to chat in the Not Sam Studios with the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. I appreciate. It. I think I'm coming over serious, by the way, bro. Yes, yes, I saw you're coming. Do you know what ch what channel you're going to be on yet? It was all. I have not signed anything yet. It's been like a. Uh, so my issue is, the internet starts getting like inklings of things that are going on. They start reporting them. Yeah. And I'm always like, well, if it's already being reported and it's about me and I have a daily show, I have to talk about it. Like, sure. Because then I'm running from it. Like if I don't talk about it. So it was being reported that me and Sirius were close to a deal or whatever. And I guess we were close to a deal, but we, we hadn't. We Put had not agreed. Paper. To, we had not. So whenever yeah. I announced it on my show, like ah, I'm moving to Sirius or whatever, probably we haven't agreed. <laughs> we, that caused quite a stir, I guess. But uh, we are oh, inching. With Sirius, they were like, Pat. Uh, with, with my people, with yeah. Sirius. I, I, think <laughs> of a lot of, I think a lot of people were like, what was that all about? It's like, it was on the internet. What do you want me to do? Not talk about it? Then I'm a coward? I'm not a coward. Okay, I'm going to talk about stuff. <laughs> so I think I'm coming back to Sirius. I'm not 100% sure. It feels like we're close, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I don't know what channel yet. And uh, as soon as I do, I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, please do. I think a couple smart things you're doing. Number one, coming over to Sirius. So we could be tag team partners over on Sirius. And number two, I saw in the analysis that you had your guys do an analysis of your takeover match. And you hired WWE super producer Mike Mansuri so that Mansuri could come on and be like, well, speaking as an expert, uh, the guy who pays me did great. <laughs> like, I was like, come on, come on. Mansuri has bought and paid for media. Hey, listen. That's okay if Mansuri is just going about his paycheck and talking whatever will keep him employed. We're pumped to have Mansuri, by the way. Dude, he's, what an asset. What a, what, a, what, a great, what a great get. He's going to become our, uh, our EP, so he's going to hopefully tighten things up a little bit in our, in our wild, wild world over here. So we'll see how it goes. I'm, we're pumped and lucky to have him, though. He's the best. Yeah, he's amazing. An amazing but he, he, gave, he gave accurate and non-biased uh reaction to my match though that I mean, was not because he was 100 percent positive which a lot of people would say was stern but fair <laughs> i don't i didn't see any of that actually i, I saw yeah yeah they, they said it was very fair analysis by him it was very fair not just because of his paycheck but because of his his morality not to sell out so he when was telling I the truth is what everybody said when I saw his, his analysis and he was sitting in the Pat McAfee studio, I was like, this person is not a guest. He is an employee. Yeah, at the time, though, he was being presented as a guest. So you have to take that for what it is. He was just a guest, a 
third party at the time. Take mm -hmm. away the fact that he is definitely paid by us. Yeah. He was just acting as an independent scout and evaluator. And what he said was true. Guy's been around a long time. He knows his stuff. I mean, I guess he has. I guess he has. Pat, I'll let you get back to your life. Appreciate you. You can uh, hopefully listen to Pat McAfee show soon on Sirius XM, but it's still going to be on YouTube always. Just search uh, Pat McAfee show on YouTube. It's extremely popular, doing very, very well. Better all the time, as a matter of fact. Um, That's very yeah. nice of you. Well, things are good. Things are good well, for sports, you. Sports are tough to talk about right now. I mean, there's a lot going on in the sports world, but we just try to say dumb things into a microphone on a daily basis, give a little mental vacation, see what we can do. I appreciate you plugging it, though. I love, here's what I love about sports. Everybody gets into sports so they can avoid politics. Try yeah. it. Try it. <laughs> try Good it. luck. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> try it. <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. See you, Sam. I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.